Matthew, Seth, what do you what do you think about booing your team? I think it's fine. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the way it is here. Okay, yeah. uh, if you come to play here, you have to know that that's going to happen. It's not personal. Um, <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special blue and orange edition of Battery Mates. I am Matthew in London. I'm joined by Toby in Chicago. We are going to be joined in a second by Seth Resnick, a longtime friend of the pod and a longtime friend of me personally. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to digging in deep to the uh, painful, uh, 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 the pain that is the Met season. Now, but Toby, before we before we get stuck into that, how are you? It's been a while. It has. I think we took all of August off, um, which is good because I think our teams did too. Uh, and <laughs> good <laughs> well, joke. That's a good joke. Well, well, actually, I think the Clevelands were about five hundred, uh, but they 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 are no longer in contention, and so it's 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 you know it's fun to watch the kids play, but that's all we got. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh I'm ready. I'm ready for for one last month of regular season baseball. I'm going to try to enjoy it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched a ton of baseball over the last month for for various reasons. I, I don't want to talk about it right now, but the baseball I have watched has mainly been watching the players the Nationals traded away do incredibly badly. Uh, we we traded Brad Hand to uh, Toronto, and he's been DFA'd. They shot him. That's, they shot him. <laughs> he's dead. He's out. That is how that trade is going. Unfortunately, the Max Max Scherzer and Trey Turner trades to Dodgers um, uh, has not not gone as well as as, as I'd hoped. Um, they've been playing well, but um, I, the the thing that we really want to talk about is um, the New York Metropolitan. So Seth is great to have you back on the pod. I think this is your first time talking to us and probably listening to us for three years or so. How have you been? Oh, you know, just great. Uh, I, I, I listen to every pod. I'm always I'm always taking notes. I've, I've got a lot of notes here. I thought that's what we were going to go through. Yeah, this, is fe- this is a feedback episode. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we, we have been messing it up on the podcast over the course of this season. It's been a it's been a busy one. But, you know, um, from listening to this season, we've shaken things up a little bit with our guests. We have you on the whole episode, not just doing an interview. And we start off with some rapid fire questions. So for people who don't know a ton about you, um, let's let's go through these. I'm going to ask the first one. Uh, what was the last game you attended? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it's It's been a little while. I think the last game that I might have attended was at uh, City Field, and it was a corporate thing where we were in the picnic section uh, behind left field, and they give you as much free food as you want. So I had like four hamburgers and, and three hot dogs. Uh, so that was great. Probably the best game I've ever been to. As much as much as much free food as you want, not not free drink. Uh, they might have been. They they were giving out sodas too. I think that they. Uh, I don't think there was free beer. I could be wrong, but I wasn't. I was focused in on eating as much food as possible. So, <laughs> beer, the soda, that was all distraction uh, for the main main event. Did you have a cup of water that you were dipping the hot dogs in, or the buns? I I wish. I wish. <laughs> all right, second one. 
what other than this this patio uh, picnic patio? Uh, what's the best vantage point in City Field to watch the carnage that is uh, the baseball games played there from? What I would say, I, w- I would answer this question in the reverse way, and I find it hilarious that w- the Mets built a stadium uh, going on it's probably uh, what, 12, 13 years now where there are seats where you can't see the whole field. <laughs> Uh, and that's amazing uh, because oh, on the left field line, um, in an effort to get people closer to the field, uh, the the bleachers kind of go over the field. So if you're in left field in that area, you can't see a huge quadrant of left field. <laughs> Only the Mets. Even even the stadium has been messed up. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's phenomenal. I didn't know that. Yeah, City uh, Field is probably the stadium I've been in in most because I, I lived in New York much longer than I lived in Washington, and um, I've seen all over the all I've sat all over that stadium, but never never from a spot where I couldn't <laughs> see. Sometimes I've been to games where I wish I couldn't. But what a crappy stadium! Really, uh, truly, yeah, yeah. truly a crappy stadium. The the <laughs> overarching feature uh, when you walk into City Field, for those who don't know, is a huge monument to Jackie Robinson. Who's great? Uh, Jackie Robinson. I'm not. I'm not. Not slandering Jackie Robinson here. <laughs> but Jackie Robinson played for the Dodgers. The, the he did not play for the Mets, uh, contrary to uh, to to the Wilpons belief system. <laughs> the first thing you see when you walk in the stadium is big forty two, uh, big kiosks and all that stuff, and just classic, classic stolen valor from the Mets. <laughs> so, okay, uh, number three, black jerseys, yay or nay? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I, I for those. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a video podcast, so people can't see my sweet um, gray 1985 away Mets jersey. So if they would go back to this, I would be for that. But the black jerseys are great. Um, I think they, of course, started using them in the 90s when everybody was doing black. But I do think it it's a good it's a good look. Okay, so this one's. This one might, I don't know if this is going to be tough or not. I, <laughs> when I wrote it, I thought, oh, that's a good one, maybe. Um, okay, so there are a lot of celebrity Mets fans, right? Who do you think best represents the team and why? That's a good question. I mean, uh, best celebrity Mets fan. Um, it's got to be Seinfeld, I guess, right? I mean, <laughs> he's he, there, there's like a nihilism of yeah. the Seinfeld program and Jerry Seinfeld as an individual. Uh, And that goes uh, hand in hand with the Mets, because (laughs) to be a fan of the Mets, you can't believe in anything. You can't you can't believe that they're even though, ironically, the the catchphrase of the team, of course, is you got to believe. But to believe in the Mets is is a foolish endeavor. They'll disappoint you every time. Uh, And I think that's that's sort of what the kernel of the Seinfeld TV show was, is that there's nothing's important. Don't believe in anything and just do whatever you want to do. It's a show about nothing. The the ultimate show about nothing is. Exactly, and that's the Mets baseball. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last up. How would you personally, if you were to get it, spend your annual Bobby Vanilla one point one nine million dollar check? Oh man. Um, well, then, see, this is a more difficult question. What would I do with one point? God, I don't know. I, I guess I would just order a lot of of funny cameos. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of really funny people on there, and I, I think I would just spend that money on that. I did actually buy a cameo from former Mets manager and current uh, candidate for mayor of Stanford, Bobby Valentine, 
my mother, my mother and father's dog was sick, and I bought I bought a cameo from Bobby to you know to deliver some nice words, and he did a great job. So full endorsement of Bobby Valentine on cameo. Okay, well, I mean, whoever wins this year's preseason prediction contest, look out. You know what you're getting. <laughs> yeah. So it's time to go around the horn, and I think you know everybody knows where we're going to start uh, on around the horn, and we have a in our notes which. Um, no one can really see here, uh, but it's the one the subject for the first conversation here is just thumbs. And I want to set the scene first, because I think that the context here and, and Seth, please jump in at any point to comment or to correct something if I if I'm getting this wrong. But this is my from watching this from afar. Here's what I'm seeing uh, with the current state of the of the New York Metropolitan. So we have big deal is new owner this season, you know, our my kid's favorite hedge fund manager, um, Steve Cohen. A lot of people do. Everyone's, everyone's favorite. Most people's favorite. I mean, they're, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, you can collect them all, really. Um, can, I, can I just jump sense. in? I, 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 have to, I have to say my favorite ever hedge fund manager is, is Mitt Romney. <laughs> oh, that's so predictable. Is that, that's like a bingo. That, that, that goes on the bingo board. <laughs> yeah. Some, a lot of battery mates listeners are getting drunk today. Um, yeah. We just did a shot. Uh, so the other big, so the, in the off season, there was also the whole, uh, I believe that your, your former GM was fired for, uh, let's just say being inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> I think there were text messages involved. I don't know. It was, oh, and, yeah. and Mickey Calloway, uh, who was no longer shared, shared Mets and guardians treasure, Mickey Calloway. Yeah. Also. yeah. Uh, honestly, when he became Mets manager, I was really sad to lose, to lose him because I thought he was, um, really, uh, did really well with the pitchers, and he, he he had he had a good good track record, uh, but I you know now that we know it's rare it's rare <laughs> that you get a guy who's uh bad at being a manager and also bad at so bad at being a person. <laughs> like as soon as I saw him when they first hired him, he was like uh, fishing with Donald Trump Jr. in a photo, and I'm like, oh fuck, Jesus this is Christ. this is where this is headed, and you knew where it was headed the whole time, and and it, it ended up in the place that that I everybody thought it would. Yeah, he's a garbage human being, turns out. Um, but there was a lot of, in spite of all that, there was a lot of hope for the Mets this year. And there was the big splash, um, though it makes me sad that you all acquired Francisco Lindor and signed him to a huge extension uh, all before the season started. Uh, that, so am I right that like there's a lot, there was a lot of expectations that this Mets team would be good. And that if, even if they weren't good, that you'd find the, the new owner would find a way to make them good. Is that is that accurate? Oh, definitely. I you know I I think it's it's impossible to underrate people's optimisms on excising the team from previous ownership, the Wilpons, yeah. uh, who hilariously you know were scammed by Bernie Madoff, <laughs> and uh, of course like lost all their money, so they couldn't successfully basically operate the team anymore. And then, such is the business acumen of the Wilpons that they turned down a two point five billion dollar offer for the team. Because it got hung up because um, Fred Wilpon's idiot son, Jeff Wilpon, who's like 60, uh, wanted to still remain in control of the team after Steve Cohn bought it for like five years. This was the deal they were trying to make pre-COVID. Then COVID hit. <laughs> then they ended up selling the team for, I think, about $2 billion or $2.1 billion, thereby leaving $400 or $500 million on the table. Uh and got, getting none of that shit. They just got their asses booted out as soon as the sale was final. So classic Wilpons, one last great deal on the way out the door. A half a billion dollars. They, they left yeah. 
I mean, but you know, if you think about it, what are you going to do with that anyway? How many cameos are you going to buy for one <laughs> half a billion dollars? So the team, and I think the team was pretty good. I mean, they were doing okay, right? I mean, I, uh, Frank Lindor wasn't having the, isn't having the greatest season, but um, it, it seemed like the team was in it for it is in it probably. But then um, the trade deadline, you added Javi Baez. So like again, like a lot of reasons. I mean, I know that, I know that um, Degrom got hurt, and the people pitchers have been hurt. I mean, Carrasco was also hurt. Um, but the last couple weeks, last week, I think this is all happening this week. I think is is this is the funny thing. Um, there's been just been a lot. Could, maybe I'll just stop here and let you tell the rest of the story, um, because I don't. You know, <laughs> me explaining this to Battery Mates Nation isn't really what they're here to, to listen to. So. I mean, they were doing okay uh, in the you know one of the worst divisions, maybe the worst division in baseball. I don't know by the numbers. Uh, they were in first place, and Degrom got hurt. As you said, Lindor also got hurt. Even though he wasn't playing that well, I think uh, the alternatives were not great, uh, and. Yeah, they just went into total freefall. They stopped scoring runs completely, which is a hallmark of of the <laughs> recent Mets teams, where you just don't get any hits with runners on base. And different managers, different players, doesn't matter. It's the same story. They don't get any hits with, when uh, runners are in scoring position. So uh, the bottom completely fell out, and everything uh, everything went sour, and they lost 12 or 15 games or something like that. And now they're they're under 500, or maybe they just recently went back over 500 and are basically out of the playoffs uh, in two weeks. It's very reminiscent of maybe it was 2007 when they lost like 12 games on the Phillies in like three weeks. You know, it's just classic Mets. There's a there's a an uh, just a foul atmosphere which follows this team, and no no, no matter what happens, it won't be good. You know, and, and some of the things you're talking about there, they, they fired a general manager for, for being a sex pest. Uh, prior to last season, they hired and fired Carlos Beltran to be the manager um, <laughs> before he even played before they even played a game under him, and he got swept up in the Astros cheating scandal. <laughs> no other team is like the Mets. No one else can compare. And and now you have the whole the, the Baez hilarious uh, booing scandal, which... I, it's extraordinary to me that he just full on admitted that they were going to boo the fans. <laughs> uh, that, that's the only mistake. And I, I think it's funny and he should have kept doing it because it's unquestionably very funny, but uh, to admit it was, was a huge error in judgment. So this, this is, this is the thing about the Mets is it's, it's never just bad baseball it is chaos around the entire organization and everything to do with it. Yeah. So not only did they fall off a cliff uh, and the fans got super pissed, but the the players just couldn't help but react. And, and Baez just came out and literally said, the thumbs down gesture is us booing the fans for booing us. So anytime we do anything good, we are going to boo the fans. And immediately the, the, was it the vice president or the president of the team issued like a formal statement condemning the players. <laughs> I mean, he had to do that. And this is one of these lose-lose situations. New York, as a, a media environment, uh, forces him to make that statement because if not, then, you know, uh, uh, George from Bensonhurst is going to be on WFAN <laughs> saying, uh, what the fuck, this boy is, what the fuck is this team doing, fuck this guy, no way we're going to let him come back next year, fuck that. So that is the reality of the situation. So he had to do that. I mean, Baez just, like, it's hilarious, not just because they were doing that, the thumbs down, which is inherently funny, like I said, but 
they lost like, you know, 12 or 15 games or whatever it was. Then they won two games in a row. And he's like, yeah, when we do good stuff, we're going to boo them. We'll show them. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? You just you just dropped out of first place. You're under 500 now. And suddenly he's talking like they won the World Series and he <laughs> had the game winning hit. And that's when he did the boo thing. Like, I'll show you. Uh, and, and of course, I was texting about this with Matthew the other day classic in a in a script that only could be written uh he of course got a huge hit the other day the mets were down uh one two runs in the ninth uh two outs and he got a hit to to drive and run and keep the rally going and then he scored the winning run going through the stop sign uh and sliding in and scoring so yeah you know and this was at home the first home game since since uh thumbgate so uh <laughs> pretty pretty unlikely pretty wild it's amazing to me that like you know, and I know Javi Baez is is the you know having lived in Chicago during his tenure with the Cubs, I I, I get his personality that this this all kind of makes sense knowing what I know about him that he would come up with this. the fact that he roped Francisco Lindor into this who is literally his nickname in Players Weekend is Mister Smile like they're he, best friends the oh two yeah of them are best the, friends. growing up right or like not maybe in high From school the World Baseball Classic yeah, yeah and they, they're both and and I think they're so. And they're, I, I'm sure they're thrilled to be teammates. But the fact this is the very first thing that they really get known for as teammates is unbelievable to me. Uh, just honestly, I cannot fathom uh, Francisco Lindo turning into a, a, a doing a heel turn at all. Um, it's just amazing. It's, and they they have, now they've apologized, right? They've they wow. both since say I think Francisco Lindo's quote was, "We can't go against the fans." And it's like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Francisco Lindor realized that he's going to be here for nine more seasons, and uh, <laughs> maybe he wants to make his life a little bit easier. So I, I think that's really what it came down to. Baez is free agent. He'll probably be gone. I, I can't see them re-signing him after all this. And, and also, by the way, that's funny. He has played horrifically bad. He has <laughs> been like a 200 hitter uh, and striking out like even more than his normal reckless abandon. So it's just funny to see that uh, he's he's taken that attitude, playing badly, teams playing badly, he's playing badly. It's it's, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, just to zoom out a bit, uh, what do people feel about? How do people feel about booing their team? Like, I I understand this is a I I don't like it when it happens in Cleveland, and I I think that mostly because I I think when players do something awful or they 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 don't deliver in the clutch. Uh, you know, they know, they know what happened. <laughs> um, and then, and we're, you know, I, I generally don't hold it against people. Now, you know, when I start thinking about booing somebody, it's usually when they've done something like this, where publicly said something about the fans or, um, you know, publicly called into question the efficacy of the vaccine, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what, Matthew, Seth, what do you, what do you think about booing your team? I think it's fine. Uh, this is <laughs> this is the way it is here. Okay, yeah. um, if you come to play here, you have to know that that's going to happen. It's not personal. Um, <laughs> you know, they cheer them at the start of every game. Nobody gets booed walking up to the plate unless you're uh, uh, previously mentioned Bobby Bonilla. Um, it's very rare. Uh, you know, and people are acting like this is a Mets thing. It's not just a Mets thing. It happens in Yankee Stadium. They booed Jeter. They booed Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera, they booed. Okay. So <laughs> this is uh, this is just the way it is. 
And then if you succeed, they go wild. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Winning here in New York is 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 unlike anything else. Like the guys who played on the '86 Mets are all still legends here in New York. <laughs> They'll never pay for another drink for the rest of their lives, and half of them are employed by the team still. So, like <laughs> you know, you can't. It, it, being successful here is is a, a lifetime meal ticket. Yeah, I, I mean, we, I I wouldn't I wouldn't boo my team, but. I just don't think you can answer that question unless you've been a Mets fan for uh, for your life. And I just think you've got to put yourself in the shoes of Mets fans and the the nonstop, nonstop uh, um, aggravation that Mets fans get put through. I just don't think you can. I don't think you can blame uh, almost any kind of activity on the part of Mets fans uh, towards their team. I just, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do Nationals <laughs> team, but I, I just, I just, I just can't, I, I can't, um, I, I just don't think you can, you can make that claim unless you've been in those shoes in City Field watching <laughs> the absolute clown car. Uh, yeah, it's just too much. It seems like I, po- I think the Mets fans care uh, and are deeply, so deeply passionate about the team in a way that, maybe no other fan bases like it's not like the nationals games where everybody is just negotiating the sale of uh you know like warheads and and apache helicopters to uh to whoever or or, and stuff like that so these are like people who actually are coming out to the game to like scream something at a baseball player you know it's it's not the same seems like there should be like an onboarding for the players like you know maybe a hobby bias just needed a, a powerpoint presentation where you know, item number six, you're going to get booed. It's going to happen. It's not personal. Uh, and when, when you do something great, like you're going to do because you're an extremely exciting player in this game, you make things happen. They're going to go crazy for you. You're going to be on the cover. Of the, the, so the other, okay, well, last piece on this, and then we can move on to something else Mets related. Um, uh, when when Francisco Lindor was pulled into this, one of the, I, don't, I forget what paper it was. It was one of the... the the uh, tabloid style papers um, had Francisco Lindor on the, on the doing the thumbs down and says like, this isn't Cleveland anymore. And I think what you're getting at is that, but like, why did they have to bring Cleveland into it? Like, you know, I, I, I mean, Frank knows this isn't Cleveland anymore. Right. I'm, it, it... Toby, Ohio started this beef and I'll explain how, <laughs> if you walk around New York city now, there are several <laughs> locations where there are signs that say move to Ohio it costs way less or some stupid crap like that. As if anybody who's living in New York city is like, Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about moving to Ohio. This billboard makes a really good point. You're saying it costs less to live in Ohio. Shit. First blood was drawn by Ohio and everything that happens afterwards is, is on them. Yeah. I mean, Mike DeWine does not represent Cleveland though. And that's the thing. Mike DeWine and his ad campaign, I think it's dumb too. Um, they don't. They don't. They don't try to do it here in Chicago. It's very funny. They they have it everywhere else, but they they don't. They're not targeting Chicagoans. Um, I'm assuming they don't have it in Manchester, do they, Matthew? Do you have the Ohio, move to Ohio? It's cheaper here. Billboards. No, no, but Manchester is uh, advertised those in in London. Move move to Manchester. It's cheaper up here. I mean, it's a, it's a tried and tested uh, yeah. approach, and it worked on you. It worked on me, but just before we move on, I just I got to say, you know, one of the things about um, Mets fans is, I'd say like the top ten most entertaining moments I've had watching baseball 
there's more of those I've had in City Field than than um, in in Nats Park, and that's because of the fans. One of my favourite ever moments was watching a game. Um, we had great tickets just behind the uh, the uh, third base, uh, first base dugout, and uh, there was a, a couple of Mets fans just to the side of us who just for the entirety of the game were going after Lucas Duda, the, who was playing first base for, for the Mets. Yep, Every yep. time he was in earshot, they would just shout, try harder, Duda! Anytime <laughs> he broke into anything more than a walk, they would scream, you're lollygagging again, Duda! <laughs> I didn't even know what lollygagging meant at that moment in my life, but I really enjoyed it. Now, anytime any player ever does anything half-hearted i just instinctively shout try harder duda whoever whoever it is that's playing just a great moment i mean they kept it up for two two and a half hours phenomenal (laughs) i love that um okay this is a this is a pivot but this is also mets related um i there was a piece in 538 the other day about marcus stroman's durag have you did you guys see this i did not i'm aware of the previous controversy but uh but oh, I did not see this piece. So this is by this is by Shakia Taylor, who is on, uh, who's a, a, a great baseball writer and a great follow on Twitter. She's at Curly Fro on Twitter, um, uh, and I think I think she might have grown up in Cleveland. I don't know. I, I'm trying to pe- suss that out from her Twitter, uh, and it's it's hard to know. But uh, she uh, she is decided that she was going to write an article, um, kind of analyzing the impact of wearing a durag, Stroman wearing a durag uh, on his performance, and. Uh, for 538 as you would um and you know i thought oh that's funny that's that's that actually could that, that's something that uh i i want to read for fun and it was fun good read but i will say this uh it makes a compelling uh argument that there's something going on here uh, about his uh wh- whether it uh it's how he feels about himself or what whatever it's, there is real evidence that him pitching with a do-rag, uh, is, is, he's better. Um, and this is going back to 2018. I guess he started wearing it uh, the first time was June 1st, 2019, when he was still a Blue Jay. And he's worn one every outing since. Um, and a little be- bit of uh, the context here is that wearing a do-rag while you're on, like, playing is banned in the NFL and in the NBA, which I did not know. Um, and uh, so, Seth, if you had to guess... What what color do you think is his most? He he's worn orange, black, white, and blue drags. What what color do you think he's most successful at? I I saw this actually too. They were talking about this on Mets on Mets Reddit. So uh, I I don't know the answer. I'm I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess orange. That just seems like a very positive color. You're right. Uh, he's one to know. He's only he's it's a small sample size. Um, hmm. Classic six innings. <laughs> um, but one point five ERA uh and a 0.83 whip so definitely his best uh but it's too small sample i think to make any strong claims marcus marcus stroman from long island new york uh he came here that's that's the type of person that came here and he did know the deal and he's been great uh really probably he's had his best season uh, he's also struggled with a couple of injuries here and there but uh you know i i think that's the kind of uh attitude that you have to bring to it where he's just like having fun with all of it so with a black durag, he's five and four with a two point seven two ERA. White two point five ERA. Blue three point eight two ERA. 
Okay, so there's some real, there's real, and this is not, I'm not talking about six innings anymore. We're talking 53 innings, 104 innings, 68 innings. There's real data here. And I'll get this: no do rag, 12 and 19, the 4.4 ERA. I mean, granted, there's also the there's also the the the, the fixed date of June 1st, 2019, uh, that where this all changed. So all of these n- did not wear Durag. Those 171 innings were before that. I'm not, and, and this author isn't saying, uh, it's, it's, you know, the co- it, it, but it does seem like causation. Uh, the Durag, <laughs> the Durag also successfully outed Bob Brinley as a racist and got him fired, I think. So did it really? Durag's doing a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, he, he, Bob Brenly was like, I think he said something along the lines of like, oh, is that the same do-rag that Tom Seaver wore? Classic, <laughs> hilarious line. And what's Jesus weird is that Christ. other people did not find that funny, uh, including Marcus Stroman, who, who uh, effectively called him a racist over Twitter, which is a big Marcus thing to do. And he's always he's always right. Uh, so yeah, Brenly decided to take some time off to reflect uh, after that moment, after getting publicly owned by uh, Marcus Stroman over Twitter. <laughs> uh, that's great. Anyway, that's a fun little interlude um, just to bring us back into happier, happier grounds <laughs> uh, on the Mets. Let's take a quick word from our sponsor and then we'll talk more about baseball things. This episode of Battery Mates is brought to you by Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs, which have been proudly eaten way too fast since 1916. That's right, we haven't substantially updated our recipe in over 100 years, so you can suck it, Coke Zero Sugar. One customer said about our hot dogs, they're so good, and they're now gluten-free. Okay, so that's one change we made, but taking out the devil bread slime is something everyone can get down with. Come on down to the original Nathan's in Coney Island and tell them the Battery Mates guy says, I get a free dog. Just see what happens. Or pony up the 475, you shits. It's 19 cents in 1916 money. Nathan's famous hot dogs, dog in the mouth, buns in the splash. All right, thank you so much to Nathan's. I feel like I'm just getting the money back that I've spent there over the years. I I'm, close my eyes and I feel like I'm on Coney Island right now, uh, <laughs> having just eaten uh, two hot dogs and feeling a bit disappointed in myself that I'm now full up after just two. A great, great, uh a great great place to eat and uh very very generous um we are uh not able to travel still and so we are really piling up a war chest for next season's uh baseball trips i'm looking forward to that uh seth where where's your favorite nathan's right there uh on coney island the the original nathan's uh an, an incredible place every time you go there there is like 200 people there uh waiting in line and it is one of the slowest fast food restaurants in the world. <laughs> the same person uh, takes your order, then goes somewhere to get it, presumably, then comes back and rings you up. Uh, the whole process takes a really long time, but they, they grill the hot dogs and they also grill the buns. And I can't mm. tell you how important that is. Yeah. Uh, it really changes the whole equation. Original Nathan's on Coney Island, home of the Brooklyn Cyclones. Right next to the Brooklyn Cyclones is yep. a, a, a phenomenal place to watch baseball. Even though it's some of the worst baseball I've ever seen, it's one of my favorite places to to watch the game. I actually wore a Brooklyn Cyclones uh, jersey, the one that you and I, when we get those free um, yep. 
you know those freebies uh, the other day. Happy happy days. All right, should we should we crack on? We've got a couple more uh, uh, spots to go around the horn. Yeah, um, Toby, these are both yours. Yeah. So um, so baseball fans know this is like we're at right at like the 25th anniversary of the the players or the, the MLB strike um, from '94. So wait, no, that can't be right. 27th anniversary. Yeah. I'm math. Um, what year is it? You do the math. <laughs> what year is it exactly I, right now? I, I think I saved an article to my uh, like my like read later <laughs> list that was like marking the 25th anniversary of the last NLB strike. Maybe it was sharing something. Anyway, so um, this is what happens when your researchers are on vacation. Uh, you know, 27th anniversary. That could have been fixed. Um, it'll be fixed in post. Uh, okay, so. Uh, knowing that the CBA talks are upon us for this off season, who knows? There could be another strike, another um, uh, labor stoppage. Um, what do you? I mean, so how much have you all followed this, Seth? How much have you followed this uh, in terms of like what's about to happen, and how how optimistic are you that there's going to be a peaceful resolution before a labor stoppage? I think that pre-COVID. I would have said 100% chance is going to be a strike. Uh, but with COVID and, and that disruption and the revenue disruption and all that, I think that they're much more likely to reach some sort of amicable solution because now the owners, uh, unlike previous labor situations, they obviously these are all rich guys, uh, but I think that they're hurting from this. Uh, and, and I think that they do not want to see another big gap in, uh, in gate revenue and TV revenue. Yeah, I think yeah, and, and the, the the harm it would do to the sport, I think, is just with the goodwill <laughs> that, that whatever little goodwill they have. Um, but so th- one thing that happened in the last uh, in August uh, while we were all gone, the owners floated a proposal um, as as part of the uh, upcoming CBA talks, which is that was it was being billed as a salary floor for teams, hundred million dollars. Every team has to have that salary. Uh, reach that salary threshold, and it'd be paid for, and I'm putting that in quotes for the, the people who can't see me use my fingers to make quotes, but it'll be paid for by lowering the luxury tax um, from $210 million, uh, the threshold from $210 million to $180 million, um, and, and implement a 25% tax on any overage of that. Um, so just to quickly do the math, because... I think that's important um, to see how this actually plays out. Uh, so there are nine teams currently with payrolls over 180 million and a total overage. And I'm, I'm getting this. Somebody else did this math. I'm sorry. I didn't write down where, what article I used for this. The overage is 259 million. Okay. There are seven teams with payrolls under 100 million and underage of 146 million. So uh, obviously the, the, the owners have a lot more to, gain uh from cut bringing bringing down the the uh payrolls <laughs> down to a, a new cap of 180 uh than they would by raising the, the minimum um first of all even if if the teams don't do anything and stay at their current salary rate salary uh base uh it only generates 62 million dollars um it would only get less than 40 percent of the the total they need to raise to get to, to, I guess, fund the teams to get to 100 million that need to get there, including the Clevelands. Um, but the other piece of this that seems obvious to me is that 
teams right now are bending over backward to avoid that those luxury tax penalties. Like they just bring their salary base down to 180 million or less. They that's what's going to happen here, and they're going to end up paying players 100 million dollars less cumulatively. Um, so I, I haven't seen much of the the back and forth here, but I, I my understanding is this was kind of laughed off um, by players, uh, and if that's and described as like if this is a serious opening salvo, um, these talks aren't going to go well, type of thing. <laughs> um, I, have you guys seen this salary floor? And what uh, what what's your what's your take on this? I could see why they laughed it off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crazy idea, right? Like the the salary structure in baseball is already uh, pretty screwed up, and and the players have legitimate gripes. Uh, from before they're in the union with respect to service time manipulation and, uh, you know, the amount of time it takes to be a free agent, the incredibly biased arbitration courts that these salaries get decided in. Uh, So I think that the players already have a huge um, uh, number of things that they're mad about. Uh, And I think any settlement is going to have to deal with how service time is, is calculated and bringing the the DH to the National League, I think, was probably something that the players want to do as well. You know, create yeah. another whatever it is, fifteen um, high-paying jobs in the league. So, the idea that they'd be messing around with a salary cap is is insane, and I, I can't imagine the players would go for that. Yeah, I think that's right. And like you said, Toby, the the owners are, are hurting. They're going to be really focused on maintaining the value of the of the teams as well as the as the income and i think a lot of the the noise this year is going to be um these kind of these kind of negotiating positions but ultimately there's the i don't know it feels to me like the cba is going to be generally net neutral on on revenue and much more focused on things like the dh things like tweaks around the playoffs uh, trying to trying to increase income rather than mess around with with savings because i just don't think the owners are going to want to have a stoppage the other thing that i think comes out of covid is the extent to which the players um uh, stayed really united um uh the owners really um uh tried to to pull them apart and i thought that the union uh showed that it can be uh very united and strong and i, I think that the owners will have seen that and probably won't want to try it on but you know who knows they're crazy they're crazy when they get that rich <laughs> yeah and i i think that the like the, any type of like press play here uh, uh, try to like treat this as a um you know a, a ta- anti-tanking provision um wasn't taken seriously enough i mean it was taken seriously enough by the people who carry the water the, the journalists that carry the water for the owners but um most most folks saw right through it so Okay, more more to come on the CBA talks. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm assuming that that's that's going to be a, uh, an ongoing segment for many months. Um, but uh, we'll see. Um, the last last thing I want to talk about in the show, um, you know, just an update on where we are. Uh, you know, the, maybe the biggest controversy of the year, um, at least in my household, is the sticky stuff. Um, and just an update on where we are now that we're you know more than two months without it. I mean, I'm I'm still using it, but you know I don't play professional baseball um, anymore. Um, and so the so the, the the Seth, you you I'm assuming you no longer use sticky stuff in your life, but 
Um, are you aware of the the problem here and and what uh, it all went down? How much does this affect the Mets in your in your mind? Uh, I don't think it really has. You know, it, it, when that was all happening, uh, the big names, uh, of course, were were Hamels and another guy who uh, you know we don't need to delve into him. But uh, one of the things that people were saying is, oh, well, how can Degrom be legit? But then. <laughs> Basically, all of the statistical analysis around Degrom shows that he's never seen that kind of big jump in in spin rate, and and everybody who he's ever like uh, played with and played against all all basically said no, that's he's not he's not doing that. So I think that was the closest it really came. But uh, you know, I, I I am on the sticky stuff, the same place I am with steroids, which is absolutely do it, make everything legal. Uh, and let's make baseball more cool by having guys do completely legal and safe steroids and using cool, sticky chemicals to make the ball do awesome stuff. <laughs> um, and DeGrom, actually, after the, the, the ban or the whatever policy they changed, like got better. Like he, he actually had a stretch where he was like even better for a He's a while. total freak. He's, it's insane. Like, uh, he is, you know, he came up at the same time as Matt Harvey, and uh, thereabouts. And Matt Harvey was the more touted prospect and then the more touted player. And he was also great for a period of time before he got hurt and very demonstrative. He was always in the press. Uh, they always uh, mad at him for going to Rangers games um, like the day before a baseball <laughs> game and shit like that. Classic New York. But DeGrom it just exists to throw a baseball. That's all he ever cares about. He doesn't really talk a lot with a quiet guy. He just goes out there and just does his thing. And then, like, you just never hear from him. Was was he hurt the year you were in the World Series? Was he part of that team? Uh, he was on that team. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 Matt I Harvey know. was hurt. Matt Harvey um, was hurt. And he got hurt. And that was basically the end of his career. Still plays, but uh, obviously <laughs> not the same. <laughs> you know, it was the end of his career as a, uh, a number one pitcher because he got hurt again and uh, it was never the same. Uh, yeah, he's on the AAA did, Orioles, did, I believe. Did, didn't, didn't he have a P problem? I don't remember that. What he got a urine he got a urinary tract infection and and got scratched from a game. Hey, look, it's New York City. He's <laughs> meeting a lot of he's meeting a lot of quality young ladies. Uh, things happen. Uh, so to, to get back to what I was promising here uh, is an update on the offense, uh, Major League Baseball offense. Uh, without the sticky stuff, Joe Sheehan, who is a, a writer I'm uh, that I, I, I cite on here quite a bit, um, he he did some analysis a few weeks ago. I think it was the end of maybe the last week of August uh, to see how offense was doing uh, in the two months after the new pol- the anti sticky stuff policy went into effect. And I think it's really interesting. So the the first thing is there was a slightly larger increase in overall offense than over in, over a si- similar period of time in previous seasons. Um, not a big jump, but like uh, a 10 point increase in WOBA, whereas the average is like six, you know, with the, with the, with the warmer months and offenses heating up. Um, so is it the sticky stuff? It's hard to say. Maybe a little bit. It could be also all the pitcher injuries and we're getting, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of like lower level pitchers um, eating up a lot of innings. But here, here's where it gets really interesting. So there was virtually no difference in walk rate. And that's relevant for the reason that the, the, the pitchers say they need to use this stuff for their control. 
Um, and if they're walking people at the exact same rate they were walking people before, it kind of it kind of you know uh, negates that argument a little bit. Um, but the, uh, the 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 most dramatic difference was uh, there was a meaningful drop in strikeout rate, about over a percentage point drop um, in the in the, in the strikeout rate across the league. And which is way out of line for what we've seen in past seasons. So clearly, the sticky stuff was allowing pitchers to do crazy, amazing things with the ball, and uh, they were, you know, striking people out on uh, with much higher regularity before. Um, but the, the the I think the most relevant uh, outcome here, or, or uh, analysis piece of analysis, is there was actually no difference in outcomes on contact. So the people. The, the people weren't were barreling the ball up at similar rates. They're they're making just as hard contact. It means that the drop in like major offensive production has a lot more to do with the ball itself uh, and and major league baseball tinkering with it. Most likely, you know, this is only two months of data, but um, I thought that was really interesting. And it you know it leads to like the other question. So what else can we do to level the playing field? Uh, and you know, pitchers have this ginormous advantage uh, uh, over hitters in in terms of how how much they've grown uh in the past you know decades even um in terms of their ability uh i and i I, have you guys been paying attention to this atlantic league uh experiment where they were moving the pitchers on back uh, by a foot i did see that they were doing that I, i think that in terms of adjustments like i said before more steroids i think that's really um a big one uh, you know, steroids for the hitters, I guess, not the pitchers, if we want to level the play. No more Eric Gagne's, no more Roger Clemens, <laughs> Andy Pettit. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think the level itself, uh, this is a philosophy thing more than anything to me. <laughs> I mean, the baseball is a, a three-outcome sport across the board now. Uh, you, you know, not to be an old man, but when I grew up, you saw the guys who would choke up on the bat and shorten their swing with two strikes. That doesn't happen anymore. I think it's positive. Uh, because home runs are much cooler than than uh, you know singles, but that's that's, that's comes with the other <laughs> the, the other the downside you know. Matthew. Yeah, that's just I mean that's just home runs are not cooler than small ball, but there's a philosophical difference. I, I I just the thing for me is I would I would love when I'm when I'm like, when, when I'm able to move back to the states I am definitely going to try and move to near an Atlantic League team. Because they have a lot of fun. They like playing quirky rules all the time. It's like move the mound back. Uh, everyone has to play left-handed. Uh, <laughs> let's try it out with uh, the, the the anyone who gets on base has to run with one shoe on and and and, and one one stocking foot. It's just like a the whole a whole load of just like. It's like you know when you go to you, when you go to uh, minor league games and in between innings they've got like some goofy games to entertain the entertain the the fans. In the Atlantic League, they play the goofy games during the innings. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's funny because um, in this uh, one of the write ups I was reading that the, the, the this all this experimentation has actually caused a lot of players in the Atlantic League to like be pretty pissed about it. <laughs> They're yeah. like. Hey, we're trying to get our career, like we're trying to become major league baseball players or professional baseball players again, and uh, and these independent leagues are kind of extremely important to doing that. Uh, and to to you know, uh, apparently during a conference call where they were rolling out this moving the mound to sixty one feet six inches, they were like, "Look, it's just a foot. You don't have to change anything about your approach." Uh, and then there was a pause, and he said something like, 
well, you might have to adjust your release point. <laughs> the, the writer said, so essentially everything about throwing the baseball, you're going to have to change. Um, but uh, this is really interesting. So th- this has been happening. They've been doing this for two months or two, three months uh, in the Atlantic League. Uh, maybe not that long. Maybe it's less, not less time than that. Uh, but uh, early data suggests a weird anomaly of home runs and strikeouts have bo- both gone up. So home runs you expect to go up because you're taking the advantage away from the pitch, a little bit of an advantage away from the pitchers, but strikeouts have also go out, gone up. How? What? I don't understand. I think we need more data. But um, I thought that was really interesting. And uh, you know, I would, I would we, next battery mates. Uh, you know, we do in person. We should probably check out an Atlantic League game. You know, tack it onto the trip. Matt, you come back, uh, come back to New York. You can. Go and see the Long Island Ducks uh, near near my hometown. And uh, if you're really masochist, um, starting next year, the Staten Island, uh, I don't know what they're going to be, the former Staten Island Yankees, um, coming to the Atlantic League as well. Oh, they're not they're not the Triple A team anymore. Mm, well, they were they were low they were low A, um, but they got folded because um, the whole New York Penn League got folded. So. Now oh, the site, which is the league the Cyclones were in, uh, Cyclones are now high A, uh, and there is no more low A. Uh, so yeah, oh, you wow. can't afford to keep paying these guys below minimum wage. <laughs> 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 <That's> crazy. <laughs> the Wonder Bread and uh, American cheese uh, for every meal uh, is a, it's it, ad- it adds up. You got a lot of these minor leaguers. Um, Matthew, what a one travesty. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, we're coming up on, on Labor Day here. So just, just a, a brief plug. That is a total travesty, political travesty. You know, the government allowing this uh, to happen. Not, uh, and, and then they just decided they're going to fire all these kids. There's a big uh, controversy with one of the Cubs uh, minor league teams now because the guy who owns the team also, like, owns a hotel across the street from the ballpark <laughs> and is like not letting the players stay there. So some of them are literally sleeping in their cars uh, in the parking lots and whatnot. It's, it's totally insane. Even from a capitalist perspective, if you just think about it in the most cynical possible terms, these guys are literal assets and they are devaluing these assets by malnourishing them, like give them a proper meal and maybe they'll hit better. And then maybe someday they will be a major league baseball player. Travesty. Disgusting. I, there was uh, a fan that was organizing, like, feed the minor leaguers, like, like GoFundMe, basically. Um, and they were buying, whatever they raised, they were buying Chipotle gift certificates for all, like, they're splitting it by 100 or whatever and buying Chipotle God. gift certificates for all these players. And I'm like, you know, really not our job to, to, to yeah. feed these guys. What is going, why, why in God's name? Country. Why? What, but a, like what a stupid teams. country this is. Yeah, yeah, yes, but also these teams are ridiculously stupid. Why aren't they feeding their players? I, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Because the guys who they envision as having a real major league future are getting paid a lot. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've signed, you know, um, high, high bonuses, high salaries, some of them major league contracts or even their international free agents, and they sign big deals. Uh, that's why. It's, it's uh, just gross. It's like the worst possible uh, thing that you can do. Well, and it's also the, like, I, when, I was, when I was coming up, I, didn't have, I had to pay my own way. I had to sleep in motels on my own dime and eat tuna fish sandwiches. And, and, and I'm sure that's true. But the thing is, 
your salary went a lot farther back then. <laughs> Whatever they even though know, they made less real doubt. Anyway, this doesn't have to be an economics program. Um, this is what the people are here for. I mean, it, it I, is. I assume. <laughs> the people, I mean, there are three of them, and I don't know why they're here. Um, one of them's paid. Uh, Matthew, do you know what, why, what other, other two listeners do? Uh, well, I mean, Justin is definitely here for the economics. So <laughs> There you go. Oh, this is great. This is great. Any predictions on the... the... So wait, wait, one last thing before we go, Matthew. The, this is breaking news as of like last night. The Nationals are firing player uh, personnel who refuse to get vaccinated. Yeah, it's just it's like the happiest the happiest I've been to be a Nationals fan this season. It's just absolutely awesome. I mean, senior senior people they've just, they just fired um, the vice the vice president who's like Mike Mike Rizzo's right hand man um, for refusing to get vaccinated, and um, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. People have to. People can make their personal medical choices and live with the consequences, and there are consequences. So, good, good job. I'm Out, here for it. Outstanding stuff. Uh, I like and underrated here. It's Bob Boone, who is Aaron Boone's dad, right or uncle? I don't know which. The, all the Boones play baseball, uh, and and he's just standing there like, "Who me get money for doing nothing? Not a chance. Uh, I'll get fired <laughs> instead. Thank you." Yeah, no, it's great. It's it's wonderful. I'd love for this to be like the Nationals were going to clean house anyway, and this is the excuse they used because it's an amazing excuse. I love it. Um, uh, it's it's wonderful. I hope that other teams follow suit. Um, and when it, when they do, we'll be here to report it on Battery Mates with a breaking news edition, uh, like this was. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people heard about the Bobby Bonilla check and the thumbs down on this program and i uh well there was also breaking news which i gave uh matthew earlier breaking bad mets news uh which is that the mets general manager was arrested for dwi uh last night uh on his way home from a party at steve Cohn, the owner's house I- i'm wait uh, hold on i that is in our notes we just didn't talk about it how did we skip that <laughs> It's too much. There was too much. Amazing. There was too much to cover. This is the thing I I said to Seth. Like we need to edit and release this episode as quickly as possible to avoid any further Mets news breaking in between right now and when we release it. There's just so much coming. It's a fire hose of Mets news. This this is like three weeks after the Mets did not sign their first round draft pick in this year's draft. <laughs> Uh, even though they that. allocated a huge sum of money to signing him and therefore gave up money that they could have used elsewhere in the draft and just didn't sign him. They put up billboards outside the stadium about Kumar Rocker, right? Didn't they? Uh, I don't, I hadn't seen that. I, but, I saw uh, that. On, I, I saw it on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, Twitter, everything's real there, but, uh, speaking of Twitter, I'm getting notification. Michael Conforto claims to be Q. Um, so a new, a new news, breaking news update from the Mets. <laughs> what? No, this is not true. Um, uh, that's sad. I was looking that up. I was like, Conforto just... would probably be the one to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> genuinely believable. <laughs> claims, oh, that's the way this turns. Well, this is, this has really cheered me up from, a, a, an otherwise crappy, uh, August. So I really appreciate, uh, you coming on Seth. Oh, no problem. I just anytime you can talk about the dark cloud that is the New York Mets, uh, you have to you have to take that opportunity. Well, I, I hope you you all like 
go on a like a major league style winning streak here uh now that the <laughs> the players are motivated and uh and you know maybe there's some playoff baseball in your future that'd be a fun turn of events and see hey, how... there's always next year there's always next year <laughs> <laughs> uh matthew uh if you had to give the mets any advice in terms of how to turn their their fortunes around i mean what what do you think well i mean I have actually been on the field um, for batting practice. Uh, so I, I know, I've seen them do it. They've just got to get out there and shag those balls. Shag those balls. Solid. Solid advice. <laughs>